Welcome to Light Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Gann, author of the number one best-selling book, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy. And if you'd like to join me in the Light Medicine community and also get a free gift from me called the Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide, you can actually get it at sensitivesoulguide.com. And that's free for you to download and it goes through the three ways of navigating your way to more peace, positivity, and personal power. And we'd love to see you in our Light Medicine community. We do monthly free mini healings, and it's a lot of fun, and uh, a lot of deep healing stuff as well. And we have tips of the week and all sorts of cool things. Uh, Today, I have one of my friends on Light Warrior Radio, and she is a true light warrior, I would say. Sally Eslin is with me today, and in fact, We met each other through the Wellness Leadership Academy many years ago and even hung out in Fiji together during uh, one of these amazing trips where we were learning a lot of stuff. And now we are both in um, a healership training program together and my mentor, our mentor, Marcus Bird's Activator Healer Coach Program. So it's been really great to be able to reconnect to Sally uh, after Fiji, after these years, the pandemic, you know, the whole thing, and to be able to uh, really see what she's up to. And we're both developing uh, as, uh, as healers. And I'm really excited that she's here today to talk about her Wellness Mindset Journal. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, uh, in just a little bit. And, um, and really about becoming holistically fit you know, so we can empower ourselves inside and out. Um, now, like I said, uh, Sally and I have known each other for a number of years. Um, you know, she first published this 30-day wellness mindset journal in 2019 and recently updated it to reflect the changing times, of course, uh, and, um, you know, for deeper personal growth and healing. She actually offers intuitive card readings, and she's a wellness coach. A coach, rather, and a quantum change agent, personal trainer, podcaster, and co-host of an international networking group, HNP. We'll have to ask her about that. She hosted Your Holistically Fit Life on Natural TV Channel, on Roku TV, and E360 TV. Um, she's launched an empowered clothing range. That's so exciting. Um, and co-authored a number one international best-selling book in the series that I'm also a co-author in called Navigating the Clickety-Clack, How to Stay calm and peaceful, uh, peaceful, sorry, how to live a peaceful life in a seemingly toxic world. And she is in volume four, which recently came to a number one international award-winning uh, bestseller. So welcome, Sally. Thank you so very much, Dr. Karen. Thank you for having me on your show. Very excitement. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I love interacting with you. And uh, by the way, obviously, you are not from North America. So tell us where you're from. <laughs> No, thank you. Yes, I'm in Melbourne, Australia. So, um, yeah, we've just hit autumn here, which would be uh, your fall, I suppose. <laughs> so, yeah, beautiful day. Yes, that's right. Sometimes I, I have uh, challenges get, uh, figuring out what time zone changes. <laughs> like, you know, it's never the same date for both Australia and North America. So I'm often in world time, buddy, trying to figure out what is it, what time is it over there. <laughs> Every other month, someone's changing times. It's just ridiculous. Something so, like yeah. that. Right. It's like, yeah. I wish they would just make up their minds. <laughs> like, just stick with one. <laughs> that would be helpful. So, Sally, uh, now you have a lot of uh, different skill sets, let's just say. Um, how did you become who you are today? Like, what was your journey as a kid growing up? Uh, have you always been into fitness? Like, tell, tell us about yourself. 
Yeah, yeah, thank you. So I'm, you know, one of three kids, the eldest, and the oldest are always sort of sometimes often the black sheep. But, uh, yeah, I grew up, um, my dad's from England. He came out on the £10 ticket, actually, years ago from Liverpool. And mm. so I did it tough, you know. He came out and uh, put himself through night school and sort of was one of those work ethics where you've got to work hard, you know, to, to produce good right. results. Thing. So he always had to stick out, sort of like, you know, you've got a head down, bum up, because you're never going to succeed unless you really put in the hard yards, which, you know, that's taken a long time to undo that sort of mindset, you know, and mm. work smarter, not harder is my sort of mantra. Um, yeah, so in normal sort of childhood, growing up in hanging out, a bit of a tomboy on the BMX, you know, out in the park, playing down at the creek, um, <laughs> but just always love nature, just love nature. That was always my calling. I think we sort of grew up in a sort of a very bushy area, lots of bellbirds. I'm not sure if you're familiar with bellbirds, mm -mm. but lovely. Yeah, and then went to a nice secondary school where Dad worked very hard to give us a good education, that sort of thing. But, uh, and then I, I'd sorry, you know, it was pretty good student. I played the flute and piccolo, got a couple of scholarships doing playing music and so always was connected with nature and music. It always just was a vibe for me and also was drawn into sort of spiritual things like incense and crystals. You know, you couldn't explain it but always had a, a, a calling to those sort of things. would go to the market, would burn incense when I was studying, um, you know, and The Young Ones was on at the time. Do you ever watch The Young Ones? It's a British show. Mm -mm. Uh, um, and uh, so, you know, with Neil and the, a few of the hippies and I sort of, sort of was aligned to that in a little way but I had a very conservative sort of middle class upbringing if you like. But then I went to uni and I started studying science and very quickly changed that to arts, studied psychology and sociology and also genetics which is a bit of a weird hmm. combo. And, uh, and thought, mm, what do I want to do? And all I knew was that as soon as I finished uni, the day after I graduated, I jumped on a plane and went to the States. And I did, um, I was a summer camp counsellor. And I thought, right, I'll just go for the three months. I went down to Texas, outside of Houston, and did all different homestays for the 12 weeks. And it was an eye-opener. You know, being living in Australia, we're quite isolated. I'd right. never been overseas before. So my first trip was turn 21, graduated, you know, the next day, jumped on a plane and went over and camp counselling, which was, you know, a massive eye-opener. Coming from Australia, quite isolated, only knowing sort of, you know, where we live and then coming to America, which was enormous. And Texas <laughs> was a hello. Everything's <laughs> big in Texas, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was back in the 80s and Crocodile Dundee was really big. So everyone thought oh, right. that I... And, and Elle McPherson was big in Crocodile Dundee. And the question I got asked all the time is, do you go to school in the pouch of a kangaroo? And, and I just, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was, yeah, I got that all the time. And the other thing I was asked all the time or was told, oh, you speak American in Australia? I said, no, we speak English. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I'm embarrassed. But, yes, that is so funny. And yeah, did they ask you whether you knew Crocodile Dundee? Oh, no, because it's like Elle McPherson. I do know her. So it was, <laughs> there was a lot of naivety back then because, I mean, it was the 80s. And the only sort of picture we had of Americans in Australia was back in the day there was the big flower shirts and the guys were very <laughs> overweight and they would carry cameras on their front. So that was oh, the picture we had. And so when I actually got to the States, I realised it's not the same as <laughs> what I had uh, <laughs> imagined growing up because... Back in the day, back in the 80s, 
Americans were, were known as very loud and very opinionated and you know and very showy. So they had the big glitzy cameras and the, the big flaria. Mm. And then when I got there I go, the people are so different to what I expected. So in the end I ended up doing two different summer camps. I spent a year in the States. I went through thirty of the States just backpacking. And wow. uh, Really loved it, so I really I would stay in a place until I got to know it more, and then I would move move on. So I did a lot of the south, and then up north, um, and right across. So I did the fly drives where people would fly, but they wanted their cars delivered. So I went across the the states and went down the west coast and the east coast, sort of driving vans and things, and then doing the summer camps. And in the end, I went to uh, Maine, I think, and where we would train up. The international councillors when they came over mm. before they went off to summer camp. So yeah, I did that for a few years and really loved it. Um, and then when I came back to Australia three years later, uh, so I spent a lot of time six months in India, I think, and went across the Middle East and you know all over because that's what Australians did. If you left home, you went and really explored because it, for us it was a big deal to get on the plane and that's travel. true. It's so far, right? Yeah. So I thought, you know, three months doing summer camp and ended up being three years. But I call it the degree of life because that really opened my eyes to understanding different communities, how people interacted, and you know, it was, it was amazing. And I really do call it the degree of life. And a lot of Australians and still do it, take a, a break and, and go travelling and really get to know other countries because we do get quite isolated where we live out here. Right. Um, so yeah, I came back and I thought, right, I want to do marketing. So um, I felt really. How did you wait, 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 wait? How did you go from summer camp, driving cars all over the U.S., backpacking yeah. to marketing? Yeah. Like, wh yeah. where where was that jump? No, that's hilarious. Oh, I I forgot to mention that when I was at uni, because I've you know always had to work hard, right? So I had five <laughs> jobs, and um, my dad was. Uh, working in Broking, so since I was 13, I was in my school holidays going work in Broking. It started, you know, stamping prospectuses into working full time when I was still at uni full time. But oh. doing other, I had six contact hours, so and they call that full time study. So I actually had a full time job, <laughs> and oh. um, was working in Broking in financial planning, and then at the same time doing other jobs, you know, working in a chicken shop and babysitting, and you know, I've always worked hard. And, wow. Uh, and yeah, so it helped me say I saved up five thousand dollars before I got on the plane, and when I, you know, I travelled for three years and came back still with five thousand dollars. So, you know, it just works and travel, and travel, and and that's what Aussies. I mean, we still do it. They've changed the um, permits a little bit, but when you're young, I think up until twenty six or twenty eight, you can like live in the UK for a few years, do pub work. I did all that sort of stuff. But um, and I thought, right, okay, coming back, I want to do marketing. Just uh, it's. It's just something that came into my head. And so as it happens, I came back and six weeks later I got a marketing job. So um, in in Broking and uh, yeah, there was a company called County NatWest which is part of NatWest Bank from the UK. And they had been traditionally a superannuation uh, company but they were branching out into the retail arm. So uh, Dad had known the person who was setting up the retail part of County NatWest and sort of put in a good word saying, oh, can you at least meet my daughter? And back in the day, if you had a degree, you could get any job. Now, this is the early 90s. You didn't have wow. to get a marketing degree. If you had a degree, that was a ticket to working anywhere. Hmm. So um, it gave me a foot in the door and I had been working in, in banking and finance before. So. Um, yeah, I got the foot in the door and this is hilarious, Karen. This is a really good story. So they're opening up a retail arm. They've got the head of retail 
and they put, they've got a head of marketing and they've got a head of sales. So mm -hmm. I was interviewed for the marketing assistant role. And uh, right, so the, the guy has just been brought down from Sydney. He's the head of um, marketing and his name's Rob. And so I'm sitting there being interviewed by Rob and I'm looking at him. I've never met this guy before. And this is one of the first inklings that I knew that I was sort of intuitive. I'm mm -hmm. sitting there looking at this guy and in my head it's saying, oh, you're going to marry this guy. And I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> the interview. I'm thinking, what is going on? <laughs> I've got the designer suit. I've come back. I'm doing the power red because back in the day, you know, in the 90s. It was right, really right. Um, With a stroller pouch, maybe. Yeah, the whole lot, right? And I you know, put on the spatula. Here I am, this backpacker that's been in, you know, wearing bikinis for like three years, and, you know, <laughs> being rough. And so I've tied my hair up, put on makeup, got the power red suit. I'm sitting there, being interviewed. I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm going to marry this guy. And it's like, Sal, get focused, you know, answer the questions. And I thought that was weird as ever. Anyway, I ended up got ended up getting the job, and six months later, we're living together. <laughs> <laughs> Like I've only ever known a few things, and that was one of them that I really. Wow. Just well, and and the company didn't mind, like, because there are some work. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. Issues. So then I got shifted out and stayed with the company. But then this is one of the best jobs I've ever had. So um, I was then moved in to become a PA for the CEO of the company, who ran the retail and the the wholesale arm. And that was one of the best jobs I've ever done. Um, I knew nothing about being a PA, personal assistant. Well, what's a PA? A personal assistant. So like a secretary, but oh, okay. is more than that. It's more than just taking notes. Now, I got that job not knowing shorthand, any of that sort of stuff, but just because I had a brain, and I've got to say it was one of the best jobs I've ever had. Because really? Because you're seeing how companies are run at a high level, um, interacting you know, with, with all the other um, NetWest banks around the world with Japan and I don't know Asia and UK and it's high level because this guy is you know a CEO of a, a very reputable bank um, mm -hmm. and I'm just dealing with ciphering this is the best part people that suck up right people that come up sucking up to the boss and you're the filter whether you allow them to <laughs> and you're a gatekeeper right to right right and you have this power and it's amazing how people you see the other side of people because I've been working with them in a different area in the in the business, right? And so uh -huh. I knew them socially and see them at the coffee station, blah, blah, blah. But then when it comes down to business and they're wanting to get their own sort of needs met, that you see a very different face of people. So it was actually one of the most um, interesting jobs I've ever had. And when I did leave there, you know, I did that for about 18 months and then went to another part of the company. And they put me through a psych test to try and find my attributes and copy that and get someone else to come into that job because traditionally people that would apply for that would be secretaries and they'd be really good at shorthand, they'd be really good at filing and making coffees, that sort of thing. And I'm not degrading it, but that was what sort of the level was back then. And mm. then because they wouldn't get someone who had got a degree and worked in marketing and done all this other stuff to come and apply for a personal assistant job because back in the day it was a secretarial sort of position but mm. it was so much more than that and so when I really loved it because as the gatekeeper and then you could sort of tell the boss oh, your opinion on what you thought was going down <laughs> and they would often ask you, you know, what do you think of this and um, you know, you're sort of in a high power position and you just see people treat you very differently so yeah, I loved that job actually. <clears throat> So um, then, uh, long story short, I went to to another bank in um, a senior 
I was a senior analyst, business analyst, and that was interesting. It was part of uh, National Australia Bank. We have four main banks here in Australia. They're called the, the four pillars. National Australia Bank was there, and they started up smart cards, actually, when smart cards was first coming into the market. So I, um, Mondex was a smart card that was produced from, um, I can't remember, a bank in England anyway, and the four big banks bought into this smart card, and it was going to be for transport and everything. It was called Mondex. So I was on the Mondex team, and part of my job was, well, putting the bank on the internet. So this is early 90s. And, um, yeah, launching these smart cards called Mondex. And I was doing all the demonstrations to all of the government people explaining how smart cards worked, what the internet was about, um, and so we set up sort of a little demo room and my job was taking everybody through the demos, showing them how you could use it for parking, for, you know, the, the sort of general uses for smart cards. So I did that for a few years and then um, I was married, by this time I am married to Rob and he's left and he's in, in Westpac, one of the other big banks. But he'd moved up to Sydney, so for five years we had this commute between Melbourne and Sydney, which is about an hour flight, and that was challenging. Wow. But I always knew and this is another thing inside of me. I thought whenever I leave my job at this bank at NetBank, National Three Bank, my life will change dramatically and not for the best. And so, even though Rob was in Sydney and I was in Melbourne, I said, you know, we'll just make this work because something inside of me said my life will change in a very big way once I leave the bank. So 1997, 98, something like that, I finally left the bank and I said, look, I, I will have to move up to Sydney to be with my husband. And uh, so I did. And as soon as I moved up there, so I think I was about 28, 29, um, found out I was pregnant. Now, it wasn't planned. We're married and, well, whatever, go with it. But I thought, oh, you know, banking is a very much a party lifestyle back back in the day. You work. Oh, hard. really? Big time, like big time, like big drinkers. It's very, it's, it's well, not. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. You wouldn't. But I just, I've sort of grown up in that environment because I've been working throughout, you know, as a teenager, right, and right. it was just normal. And my dad was in in that sort of industry. It was just a normal thing. So I've rocked up to Sydney, going, oh no, here we, here we are, pregnant. Oh well. So go through the motions. Got to go to the doctor. Then they said, oh, you better have a, a pap smear and um, an ultrasound. So I hadn't had a pap smear, I'm the party girl. I was like, you know, you don't worry about that thing because there weren't <laughs> foreign people digging downstairs, you know. It's like that was my mentality. I didn't have a regular doctor. It's just, you know, I'm young and I'm a party girl, whatever. Anyway, long story short. So, yes, I'm pregnant. Go for a pap smear and find out that I've got SIN3, which is the last stage before cervical cancer. It's like, wow, oh, right. And um, and at the same time, also found out that I had a tumour. It's called a hydatidiform ball or something like that. But it's a wow. You have one of those. Yeah, yeah, very rare, right? So we yeah. still survive properly, but the body still thinks it's pregnant. So you continue on getting bigger, you know, going through all the hormones, but there's actually no, you know, fetus growing. So I'm thinking, oh right. Now my sister is a a, a network chiropractor. I'm not sure if you're familiar with network chiropractic. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very, well, it's a holistic form, if you like. It's not the cracking stuff. It's a very gentle way of uh, oh, okay. re readjusting itself. And uh, she, I said to her, oh, damn, I've got this bloody SIN3 stuff and I've got to cut out part of my cervix. And she said, sister, before you go cutting bits and pieces out, she said, go and get a second opinion. So I went to a naturopath. So what am I, 27, 28? And the naturopath said, 
look, you know, I'll work with you, but you know, it, you're at this stage, you've got to sort of have part of your cervix cut out, but let's, you know, start on this on drops and different sorts of things. So I'm actually working at Commonwealth Bank, which is another one of the four big banks in in uh, Sydney now. And um, but at the same time, now started down seeing a naturopath, and so. Uh, I started on doing drops and herbs and things and, um, you know, had the cervix cut out and that was pretty disgusting, smelling flesh, getting that cut off and I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, had to have the, the DNC, so clean up and, you know, clear that up and they said, oh, you can't get pregnant for another year. So I thought, right, fine. So I go back to working but at the same time I start seeing this naturopath and then everything starts picking up in my life. My allergies start improving, um, hay fever. I'd, when I was living in London for a year, I'd had really bad um, sort of asthma from the rising damp and some of the shitholes could, could we say that I was living in back in with a backpacker. <laughs> and, uh, so I just started to, to find my life was improving. So as I'm doing banking, I thought, oh, this sort of natural therapy area sort of like works. So then I took an interest in aromatherapy because I like smelly things. So I did an aromatherapy course part-time when I was doing banking and then as I'm doing my banking and I'm thinking I was running um, the youth segment at the time developing products for you know young people that were specific products for them and it was good I was really good at my job I was getting paid a ton of money like a ton because that's what banking was about but back in the day still then it was very much a blokey blokes world and I'm working with guys with you know bursting out buttons because they're so overweight and you know big stains mm. under their arms and all very sweaty and very <laughs> and you know they're very degrading and you know sexualizing women and all that sort of stuff oh and boy I've been working that area you know since the 80s and I was used to it but it would not <laughs> you couldn't get away with that sort of stuff these days but so uh, there were not many women in leadership at all mm. at all and I thought you know what I don't aspire to run a bank that's just it doesn't drive me so I'm doing it for the money it's all that I knew but it wasn't really floating my boat and I thought my interest was starting to peak in natural therapies. So long story short, um, my husband Rob was very, very high up in the bank and we used to travel overseas oh, five or six times a year. It was all first class. It was He was on the board of MasterCard, on the board of Visa. So wow. we went to all amazing things during during those years, like forever. I don't know, the opening of the Olympic Games in Atlanta, going to the world final soccer. Just with kids? No, this is all... Kids? Yeah, so I'd had my scare and then, you know, everything oh. was in the back boil up. But during that time when we were tra travelling and, you know, in the end I'd just have to take time off work, time without pay because we were travelling all the time, going to the most amazing <laughs> conferences and events and once again back in the day MasterCard was sponsoring a lot of stuff and it was very much big junkets and, you know, I loved it. And, you know, I love first class because they didn't have... Um, TVs in the back of seats or anything in business back in the day, I mean in economy. Mm -hmm. And so you've got these little CDs and you put them in the side of the, the thing and I'd go on one plane and watch half a video and they'd go, oh right, I'm, can I get this video because I'll watch the other half and it was very, very basic. So first class was actually a really nice step up from economy or, or business and yeah. to be fair, Backpacking, I'd only ever gone economy, and then all of a sudden I was living this life, living in hotels, which I'd never done. Wow. Yeah, lived a life, like it was great. But then that became a bit boring, and I thought, hmm, you know what? I really, everywhere I went, I was, you know, with the 
the other wives and um, nobody else worked. <laughs> So we didn't have much in common and they were very much into shopping and buying jewellery and <laughs> I'm trying to imagine you with them. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. Just to get me to put on makeup is a real effort. So, you know, I can walk the talk and it was lovely and we did it for many years, but it just wore a bit thin because I didn't have a lot of common in with the women. I got on had a lot more in common with the blokes because I was so used to sort of the drinking and the party lifestyle and having a laugh and you know that was sort of my scene because I've been working in that for a long time. So in the end I said to Rob look you know I think I just want to study and I don't want to do all the trips. So um, I started studying remedial therapies and remedial massage. So I, I ended up dropping out of banking and studying full-time in, in massage and remedial therapies and I really loved it. It was sort of like wow, this is really cool, you know, touching bodies and feeling things, so not just the palpating bodies, but I just started to feel stuff in bodies and I just could really connect with people through touch. I thought, mm. oh, this is really cool. But when I finished the course, we were still in Sydney and meanwhile I had two more pregnancies but miscarriages, both of them. So I was going, still continuing on with the, um, the naturopath, sort of working on improving my, my body's, ability to well to heal as well through this because I you know DNC after each miscarriage and then the whole hormonal run of highs and lows and highs and lows not very cool mm. and uh, and I was becoming a lot more in tune with my body and here I was now going down this rabbit hole of natural therapies a lot lot more in depth so long story short it was about 2000 so about 20 odd years ago we moved back down to Melbourne and I was doing the massage but when I finished the course the guy said to me, if you think you can massage full time, think again because it takes a lot out of your body. And I thought, uh -huh. oh, right. So I started massaging in a female only gym and that was good. But yes, you couldn't do it full time and um, it, it took a lot out of you. Right. And so then I thought, well, what else can I do? And I thought, oh, well, I, I really studied, I liked my naturopath, but I liked the homeopathy, the homeopathics that he gave me more. They worked better with me than the herbs. So I thought, well, why don't I study homeopathy? So I went and looked into that. And at the time, homeopaths, so this is that 2000, homeopaths were like, oh, they're way too woo-woo. Naturopaths were only just coming on the scene and being accepted. It's like chiropractors oh. were okay by now. Physios were, physios and chiros were, yeah, they're just becoming accepted. You know, Reiki wasn't no go zones like that's way too woo woo and homeopaths were like oh no they're, they're too weird but naturopaths were coming on the scene so I went to the the, the institution and I said uh, can you do naturopathy and homeopathy and they said no you do a bachelor in either one or the other and I said well can I do both and they said <coughs> yeah a lot of work and I said I don't mind so I said well I'll do a double in naturopathy and homeopathy wow so yeah, it might have been 99 I started that when we came back, 99, 2000, I'm not sure. So I did, I doubled it up. So I did both I, and so it just meant a lot more work. But I was prepared to put in the work because I was brought up with, you've got to work hard. You know? Oh, right, of course. Work, yeah. <laughs> you know, like at school I did, music was an extra subject on, on top of what you did. So I always did extra, you know, I had five mm. jobs. You know? So I thought, right, I can do this. So I did a double in the naturopathy and homeopathy. So, and I got high distinctions in every subject except one subject I got distinction in. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, we came up to clinic time, which was end of 2001. And by this time, after I think I'd now had three miscarriages, I was finally pregnant with 
Jack and uh, he was due at the end of 2001, right when clinic came up. So uh, he's kind of got in the way because I was you know, studying hard and um, had a couple of dogs by this stage so that was my life was just studying and looking after the dogs and walking the dogs. And uh, so it came to November and it was clinic time and I was literally due so I had to put clinic on hold and so I went and had my first child, Jack. So he was born in November 2001. And <clears throat> hadn't been a mother before, and and I don't know. I'm quite an organised person, and having kids sort of threw me because it was something I couldn't control. <laughs> oh, and right, kind of, a lot of mums feel that way. <laughs> and this kid didn't like to sleep, and obviously now I realise that that was me being very anxious mm. about oh, doing the right mm -hmm. thing and. Rob was continuing to uh, travel a lot because he was on all these boards so I was basically on my own with the dogs trying to look after this kid who I knew nothing about kids and uh, <laughs> everyone was you know, full of advice, oh, when he's not sleeping put him in the washing basket on top of the washing machine because that will keep him asleep and every sleep time I would have to hold his finger so over the cot, I now still have a very bad neck from holding my finger over the cot. Oh my so gosh. And every you know, sleep time during the day, that I would be lying on the floor for two hours. So long story short, that was a pretty tough year, the first year with Jack. And luckily joined a mother's group. I don't know if you have them over there. Do they offer mother's groups? Mm -hmm. with yeah, it's not really like government organized or anything. It's just whatever the community, you know. Uh, yeah, so we have like a, a health nurse where you go and the baby's weighed every you know couple of weeks and just oh, make okay, okay. stuff. And they organise a, a group of local mums who have had kids around the same time. So um, we've just actually celebrated our twenty-first year together of all the mothers from mothers group. Twenty-one years. Wow. Family. Yeah, we're all very strong friends still. Amazing. So uh, long story short, about a year after I had. Uh, Jack, I became pregnant again, and one one bonk, Karen, one. That's all it takes. <laughs> After I <laughs> cleaned up my system with all the homeopathics and the net, uh, all the herbs and that sort of thing, I was very fertile now. After wow. three, I've had one baby, and then all of a sudden, bing, one bonk, and along comes not one but two twins, pregnant with twins. Yes. <laughs> oh Are you gosh. kidding me? Yeah, yeah. So by the time Jack turns two. I then have twins and uh, yeah so that was a whole other level as well so I put all of my working on hold um, you know I, the clinic I uh, would get back to that after the twins and then it was just really head down bum up because in between all of this I was also renovating houses so we were buying and selling houses and that's sort of what I was doing. Oh my gosh I don't know where you found the time for that. I know I know it was <laughs> two dollars. Wait, wait, wait. Did you, did, were you still in school or did you finish school or did you put that on hold? I just put that on hold because okay. I was due with Jack and then it just became too hard so I put it on hold. Ah. And yeah, just went off busy having time with the twins and uh, yeah, and I breastfed all of the kids. To nice, nice. Because I was all into natural stuff, everything was organic, the dogs were eating organic and wow. you know, and everything had opened my eyes, you know, mm. to nutrition and the importance of stuff. So it was actually really good training for when I did have my kids because then I was very aware of, you know, what was good and what was not, you know, sort of changing my lifestyle a lot from the banking world into the sort of natural therapies world. And um, yeah, it was a complete eye opener. And uh, yeah, so 
long story short, it's sort of a blur when you have so many kids because all of a sudden, next thing you know, Jack's turning four, the twins are just turning two, and boom, I'm having another kid. So I literally had four kids under four, and along came Sam. So the twins were a boy and a girl, and then I uh, was pregnant again, once again, on the first bonk after the twins, uh, along with Sam. That's so funny. funny. I've never actually heard of the word, like, how you're using bonk. <laughs> Well, by the way, by the way, Sally, you said long story short about five times, and I think this is a long story, and I'm just going to say it like, like it is. <laughs> Normally, it's like three minutes, but <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. It's so fascinating. <laughs> the kids were bit and head down, bum up, just busy with them for 12 years, basically. I put all work and everything on hold, and um, you know, I was studying for a lot of that time, and then when I went back to do my clinic, they said, um, uh, oh, we've changed the course and it's going to be, you have to do all these other subjects and it's going to take you eight years part-time. Oh so I went gosh. to one of my teachers and, yeah, and she said, you know what, Sal, you're using it in your life. Do you want to be a naturopath? And I said, no. And she said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I'm so busy with the kids, but I'm not really drawn into that anymore. I'm drawn into deeper stuff. And she said, well, just use it in your life. So that's what I did. So, mm. um, yeah. So had the kids and then everything changed and got into all this deeper stuff when I got divorced. <laughs> so, okay, so how long were you with um, um, your husband before you got divorced? Uh, about 12 years. So then it was about okay, 43. Okay. Yeah, the kids were 10. Um, I was about 9, 7 and 5. So, you know, a few years. We were together 12 years, but I had gone down a, a, a more holistic path and he was still in sort of the banking path and right it sounds like that a really divergent path right and when you become a mother there's like different energies and things you know yeah. activate and um yeah I, I would imagine that would, would be challenging to be on the same page yeah yeah and it was just you know I just follow the energy that's all that I do and mm. um yeah it just that's what it, it's brought me into where I'm doing stuff with you because um, I had to get back into the workforce and I went to a careers intuitive who said, Sal, you really need to be doing fitness work because that's what your stress relief is and it's not banking anymore. It's just you just need to do stuff that brings you joy and exercise mm. joy. So that was my stress relief throughout having okay. just go for a walk, you know, 20 minutes if I could get out or walk the kids and uh, yeah. So, yeah, that was it. It was like because you're always in the gym, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> like, how does a mom with four kids end up in the gym? That's what most people yeah, want to know. As soon as, yeah, as soon as the youngest went to full time um, um, school, four, yeah, four year old kindy, they go full time. Mm. That was when I started exercising and mm. four, heavily overweight, look, you know, walking the dogs and just living at home, trying to cope with four young kids, husband that was never there, and um, renovating houses and two dogs. It was a nightmare. So uh, as soon as they were all at school or I had time, I, I just hit the gym, and that was my stress relief. And some days I would be there six hours. Like, it was, I went. What? Six yeah. hours at the gym? Yeah, easily, easily, from yoga to doing you know, the weights to doing uh, kickboxing, and that became my thing, taekwondo. <laughs> so, oh, I can imagine that, yes. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, second dan, black belt, that sort of thing. Just love it. Wow. It was my and so, yeah, then I just decided, okay, well, um, 
got divorced and then decided let's do become a PT and a year later I opened a gym. So 2014 mm. gym called Holistically Fit, Empower Yourself Inside and Out because I realised it's not just the outside stuff, the diet and exercise, it's the inside stuff that needs to be done. So yeah, then I started studying counselling because I thought, well, I've you know, got to get into the heads of my clients here, like what's going mm -hmm. on because I'm turning up with... Um, you know, like some serious stuff, you know, people like wanting to split up or, you know, not very depressed and feeling, you know, on the edge and I'm thinking, I'm not equipped to cope with this sort of stuff. So I started delving into understanding uh, people's, you know, what makes them tick and that, uh, you know, ran the gym for a couple of years and I thought, right, I need more than this. It's more than just the diet and exercise. It's getting into the heads of people. So hence mm -hmm. the... The journal that I put together, I went to Joe Dispenza, got right into him and went and did his advanced course in Cancun in 2017, I think, and I came back that weekend and, and wrote the journal because I thought, wow, right, putting bits and pieces together, 101 in mind mindfulness. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just, amazing. So so you went to, did you, uh, I know because several people we know, you know, are Joe Dispenza fans or, or trainers, you know. So yeah. did you do that one, was it like an immersion or something like that and then came back and got all inspired? Or did you do yeah, several so, courses? No, it was the advanced retreat course. So I'd done already his online courses and this is ah. the advanced for a whole week, seven days of meditating. Some two of them were five-hour meditations, starting at three in the morning. Like amazing stuff, and stuff went through me like I've never felt before. It was like popcorn going off in my body and then going off. Like abs, I went out of my body. I was in the world, in the quantum realm. It was amazing in that dark space, and stuff was just flowing through me. I can just feel it now. You know, just like you are so connected to the divine. It's just amazing. Mm. And, I just really found myself and I've just been oh, just following that energy ever since, like whatever can get me there and hence marks the stuff, right? Because that's what we're doing, working in the Right, we're following the energy. Yeah. And, and yeah. is this something, is, is the stuff we're learning with Marcus, the Activated Healer Coach Program, is this something that you're working with with your clients in the gym too or is that like a separate... Yeah, so everything's morphed, you know, and as you started off, I've got lots of different hats, but it's it's I've got this massive toolbox, and so whatever I need, I pull out of the toolbox and work with people. So I meet them where they're at, whether it be in the gym or it might be I do mainly more online stuff, connecting with people on a deeper level, um, yeah, and really just creating positive change in their life. So you know, what wherever they're at, I want to meet them and just hold their hands on their own journey of healing and just help them create positive change so that they've just got more meaning in life, more purpose, feel happier and more comfortable in their own skin. Cause that's mm. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, do you have any uh, cool stories to share with uh, related to your clients or somebody you work with? Oh, yeah, there's, there's just so many, but it's just... I just love it when people just become more comfortable with being themselves. I'm working with a client at the moment. She's actually had about 18 activator sessions now. So she's been with me mm -hmm. you know, last year and a half or year, whatever it is. But she'd been on her own journey for about 20 years and was always one, going to every course under the sun. You know, one of those that's a oh, yeah. musical self-help stuff. Oh, I, I'm there, I'm there. But what has changed with the activator is actually taking accountability for herself rather than looking outside for the answers, going mm. deep 
within and finding the answers within there and within because it all lies within us and all the outside stuff just helps us discover what is lying the answers within ourselves finding that connection within ourselves and really having that communication and uh, that th those little um, Q and A's with yourself and go ah is that what you're <laughs> You know, talking to your body, like I've done, you know, um, I'm not sure if you're sure, um, aware of 32 bars or access consciousness stuff. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. I'm one of those practitioners as well. I've done lots of different courses. Oh, my and goodness. <laughs> you know, I talk to my body, say, body, do you need this? Or body, what's going on? I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with Inner Seagal, the secret language of your body. So I've done her courses mm -hmm. and I... Yeah, mind. she's so interesting. I saw her work uh, live one time. It was just fascinating. Yeah, absolutely, because the body's just talking to us. It yells at us. It's got something to say, so we need to listen to it. So, you know, I'm fascinated by the whole, you know, inward connection there and whatever can get us down to the bottom of what's actually going on. Well, I'm your girl. I'm like a detective. Let's, you know, investigate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very much like that as well. Um, so in the Wellness Mindset Journal, like, what is it like? What does it consist of? So basically I put it together because I've been working with clients who knew a little bit about all different sorts of wellness and mindfulness and that sort of thing. Some knew about meditation, some didn't. And so the, it's a very comprehensive journal which I've just updated from an A5 to an A4 because I've got so much more packed into it. Um, it was, I've sort of updated it in line post-COVID because living in Melbourne through COVID, that was a whole other hour story. You know, we were the longest lockdown city in the world. And yeah. That was, and I use my journal all the time to get me through because that was really, really tough, very tough with all the restrictions. Yes. So, but um, when I look at the journal, we've got a very, um, as I said, it's comprehensive. I've got a glossary that explains how to use the journal. I've got ex um, example pages, but we go through manifesting every day, looking at affirmations, um, what you're grateful for, um, you know, doing check-ins around meditation around your nutrition, exercise, hydration, balancing your time and energy. Um, every day you look at some sort of positive belief about yourself because it's about rewiring your, you know, your, your, mm. your, critic, your head talk. Activity mm -hmm. uh, exercise because everything can be, be perceived positive or negative. It's all a perception and it's a choice. So, you know, whatever can be perceived a particularly negative thing, you know, like when I got sick originally, you know, but there's so many positives out of it, you know, that actually changed my life. It was a uh -huh. life changer. You know, what have you done today to look after your self-care and self-love? You know, have you taken time to chill out? Have you said, put up some boundaries and said, no, sorry, I can't do that? Because as an empath, I, I went through that, you know, discovery phase of being a people pleaser and becoming a doormat. And a lot of empathetic people are like that. And we need to be protective of our energy and put up some boundaries and say no more often. And it, it knows that it, it's a it's a strength to do that, you know, being vulnerable enough. Yes, I got a chapter in my book on that. It's called The Nirvana of No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. You know, it's the power of vulnerability, right? And uh, yeah, no is such a powerful word. Uh, what else have I got in there? There's so much I've actually put in mandalas so you can do some colouring in. I've got mm. Sounds like a great gift. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like a beautiful gift. Now is this is this mostly for women or do men like it too? And it's funny because on the front cover I've got a picture of a woman climbing up a mountain with a backpack on and on the back there's a picture of a bloke 
you sort of like found this waterfall in the midst of a forest. So it's just showing that you're on a journey <laughs> up because it's always about the journey, not the destination, and you never right. know what you can across the, along the uh -huh. way. So there's a guy there with his hands stretched up in this beautiful green lush forest with this waterfall mm. coming down around you know, so it's just, it's for both because that's the whole thing, you know, it's it's about creating positive change in your life and anyone wants that, you know, lift into your greatness. One of my mantras is let go, step up and be more. So, you know, just be more of yourself, be more in the moment, be comfortable in your own skin. Who doesn't want that? And it's time now for men that are starting to wake up as well, not yes. just for you. Yeah, yeah. So yes. I have, you know, a mixture of clients, men and women, and probably both you know about the same so you know they're all into it in different ways as I said you just oh, need to that's cool. that hand. yeah <laughs> and and so where can people get your wellness mindset journal yeah so just from my website which is what what were um, holisticallyfit.com.au forward slash journal okay so, so holisticallyfit.com.au forward slash journal yeah, yeah. Okay, got it, got it. Now, um, you are uh, also on TV and you have uh, started your clothing <laughs> line. So tell us a little bit about those two things before we end for today. I know, sorry. I've been chatting all about all the earlier on stuff. But anyway, um, last year I hosted a, a TV show called uh, Your Holistically Fit Life. It was on a natural TV channel and it's still on there, which was launched on Rock U TV, which is big over in the States. It's not so big here. Yes. I don't think it's actually launched in Australia yet, and, uh, which is also on the app E360 TV. So that was just a really good opportunity just to me to interview different people on different topics like a, you know, about homeopathy, um, anything about, you know, um, all things natural really and mm. uh, it was really fun. I did some cooking shows with my sister and, you know, doing some Australian stuff, cooking with kangaroo meat and <laughs> making kangaroo oh, wow. meat. Lamingtons, which are very Australian, and uh, yeah, and so once again, following the energy, what popped in after a meditation that I was doing a pyramid meditation one day, um, and then I had this idea, and I've just read, I listened to a lot of books, and Joe DiMartini's book, I think, and it was about how to manifest money into your life, mm -hmm. and he said. Just whatever you're passionate about, whatever you love to do, that's how you make money. And I thought, well, what do I love to do? I thought, I love to walk in nature every day, listen to empowering books. And I love to work out every day with my girlfriends and workshop life. And I thought, well, that's what I love to do. And I thought, well, how do you monetize that? And I thought, <laughs> well, you know, I'm always wearing gym gear. That's all I ever wear. And I thought, well, and I always love to wear um, chakra colors because years ago, a yoga teacher of mine said, black is such a, a dead color it's got no energy to it and in Melbourne it's everyone wears black and gray so I started wearing <laughs> color and I thought well why not make you know a shark related line of clothing you know conscious mm. clothing where you dress with intent so I'm launching um, very shortly well I have launched um, a clothing range called empowered clothing dress with intent based on nice. I've done the seven chakras because the Egyptian 13 chakras that we work with which I'm really into it was just a too big a stretch when I'm going to the broad market, so I'm starting with a seven chakra mm. line and um, in bamboo because it's all about ethically sourced clothing that's very sustainable because I didn't realise but the clothing industry is the second most wasteful industry in the world. Really? Karen, it opened my eyes. So now I've gone down wow. this rabbit hole of sustainability, recycling stuff, like 
Oh, absolutely. You, it's it's amazing. So now I'm on this new passionate line of you know clothing where people are, are becoming um, taking ownership of their own energy. So with powerful affirmations, they're stepping into drawing in that energy of the chakra. So it might be the third you know the third eye and what are they sensing intuitively and they're wanting to get more power around that. And so we have powerful statements on the front of the tops. It might be they've got a presentation, so they're going to wear the blue top and step more into their throat chakra and you know speaking more of their truth. And so we've got different statements on the front of the tops. And uh, as I said, it's in bamboo, which is, you know, it feels lovely and it's, you know, um, just a... Are they actually workout wear or casual wear? Yeah, it's workout wear for women who are committed to their well-being in their 50s. And uh, that's Mm -hmm. the first line. And then I'll do some bloke stuff after that. But uh, yeah, so long-sleeved, oversized sort of bamboo top kind of luxe, look smart, but it's meaningful as well. So it's it's conscious clothing, I like to call it, and then a sleeveless mm-hmm. workout top as well. So, yeah, and okay. you can wear it casually because I wear my gear all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I, my, my uh, let's just say my lower half does not like tight clothing for some reason. It just... Oh. Not yeah, so happy. Yeah. And of course, you know, you and I have talked about the whole, why do they put that line in the front? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'm taking that on board. That's going to be my next, my next launch is, you know, the, the pants. So, you know, working around what's comfortable for women. So I designed this for women in their 50s, so it's not so clingy. You know, as we've gone through menopause and you've got the back fat and you've got the mid-rift and all that sort of stuff. And <laughs> have it so you can still look smart, you know, because we're right. aging great. Right. So, oh, that's great. Well, and make sure you have like a nice gusset so that I don't split it in the middle when I do the splits. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a little bit of spandex in there. So yeah, I'm excited. But you know, it's just about connecting with people and helping them just feel better in their own skin at the end of the day and and live a more meaningful life because life's too short let's know let's just go from crappy to happy hey because it is really particularly COVID taught us a lot you know back to basics you know really you know savor the the, the little things in life because that's what's mm, important right I, well, I, I love like, I love how you've just followed the energy over time and like I think the uh, you know, if I had met you 20 years ago or, well, maybe 30 years ago, I would have said, oh, my gosh, that woman's all over the place. You know, <laughs> like, stick to something, right? But that, that that's a conditioned response. That's a conditioned yeah. belief. Yeah. And what you've yeah. demonstrated through your beautiful story uh, is that, hey, you know, when you follow the the energy, you you don't have to stay locked in to a specific way of of being like people have taught us. You got to stick to the job, you got to get to this and that and this with your kids and you have to do it this way and what you've demonstrated is like, uh, no, you don't. (laughs) And you know, my turning point was when I was at the point of like the marriage was gone down the toilet and I went to turn the TV off in the kids' room and Oprah was up there and it was her very last show on TV ever and she didn't have guests and she didn't do giveaways and it was her last five minutes of the show and I went to turn the TV off and, and I was like, I thought, oh, there's Oprah. And she said, if, and it was her last line, and she said, if there's one thing I could impart to people that has really changed my life, it's listen to that voice inside of you. Listen to that little niggle. And whenever you hear it, follow it. And I thought, oh, my God, I've been having that for years. I've been telling it to shut up and go away. I didn't want to face it. 
and, and that was the turning point. So ever since then, I've followed that voice inside of my head, that little needle inside of me. I've followed the energy, and that's been over, you know, like, well, 15 years now, and it changed my life. So now my mantra is let go, step up, and be more, because that's, you know, what's important in life. Let go of the stuff that doesn't matter. Step up, expand and grow, and follow the energy. Just be more of yourself, Just be because be more of you and flow. And I can't explain it. It doesn't make sense. My kids think kids think I'm mad, but I just follow the energy. And if it feels right, I do it. And if it doesn't, I don't. And that's all that I can say. It doesn't make sense, but it, that's energy for you. Hey, that's how the universe works. It plays. That's right. And we can manifest amazing things when we Absolutely. follow the energy and not fight it or not try to make it, which I used yeah. to be really sort of good it's at making things happen. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's it's challenging because it doesn't make sense. You just it just doesn't make right. sense. Right. Yeah. Intuition often doesn't make sense, you know. Uh, but I think it's great to to even say follow the energy because things shift and change, and you evolve and change. We all evolve and change. And if we just stay stuck, uh, these days I find anyway, especially with you know what's going on in our you know light medicine community um, with with light workers all over the world, is that to be able to shift quickly is a really awesome skill yeah. um, to, to have. And, and you are like the epitome <laughs> of, of that ability. And um, so I just want to share with uh, everyone your website again, where they can find you. So it's www.holisticallyfit with an yep. H, not a WH. So holisticallyfit.com.au. And then if you want the journal, forward slash journal. And this yep. makes a great gift, of course, for ourselves, but also um, the men and women in our life that are uh, into uh, personal growth and change. And um, wow, that's, that's beautiful, Sally. Thank you so much for um, being here on the show. That was super fun. Oh, thank you, Dr. Karen, so much. I just uh, admire you so much. I'm one of your biggest fans. I just think you just rock because you're so real and you're just, you know, you're comfortable in your own skin and, you, and you're creating change all over the world. And I just, you know, admire you for that. And you just, yeah, such a good chick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sally, thank you so much. Well, you know, uh, we don't know when all this, um, let's just say, pandemic silliness is all over. Uh, yeah. However, I do look forward to seeing you in person at some point. Maybe we'll do a workshop together or maybe we'll just enjoy a workshop together or something like that. Um, it's been uh, a while since we've been face-to-face you know, uh, in person, and I really, really look forward to, to that time, yeah. and I wish you uh, very, very well. Oh, thank you so much. Maybe it'll be Egypt, babe. You never know. Ooh, yep, yep, that's, that's the yeah, ticket. Yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> All right, thank you again, Sally, and I want to thank everyone for listening in. Until next time, lots of love, everyone. Bye for now. See you later. Bye.